doing today? It's really, really good to see you. I want to say a few things before we get started. First of all, this is the final Sunday before Bikes for Kids. So uh, everybody say, this is the last Sunday. So here's the deal. If you've been thinking about getting involved in Bikes for Kids and you've been thinking about maybe giving towards it, you want to buy a bike or two, or maybe you, your company or you know some friends or whatever, maybe you've been thinking about signing up to be a part of the Dream Team or what we call uh, the volunteers. Or the volunteers are what we call the Dream Team. Make sure that you get involved this week. Sign up. There's a little card on the back of your chair or somewhere. Uh, you can sign up or you can talk to us at guest service. But main thing is get involved. This is one of the most significant things that we do all year, and it is one of the most incredible things that we do to reach out to the community. You see, it's not just about it's not just about giving bikes away. That's just one of the things that we do. This week, or this Bikes for Kids, it's going to be a community event. There's going to be like a, a carnival type of atmosphere for the kids. We're going to connect with people from the community more than just, you know, usher them in and usher them out with a bike. It's going to be more involved. So this is a way for us to connect to the community. Uh, I think that we have over 200 people that are involved in volunteering, but there's always room for more. We need, I think that we need some more uh, people work back in the back working with the bicycles. Like we have a bike shop in, this, uh, in, in the back of this place where how many of you know that if you give a, a kid a bike with training wheels and they already know how to ride a bike, that's an insult. So we got to take that to the back very quickly and get the training wheels off. And we have to air up tires, fix handlebars. So I think uh, in the bike shop, we need a couple more hands. So if you think you know you got bike skills or whatever, we could definitely use you there. So they're going to say some more things. We've got a video of the, the bikes that we picked up this past week. You know, if I had it my way, I would serve popcorn every week at church. I really like that. But we can't. But anyway, we're going to do it for Christmas at the movies. The idea about Christmas at the movies is it's just a parable. It's a modern-day parable. Nobody had really told stories before Jesus did about living for God, about, about the, what they would do in the days of Jesus is they would get up and they would read the law of what they should do, what they, what they should not do, and all the things that surrounded that. But Jesus, when he came to this earth, he did something very differently. In fact, people would listen to him talk and say, we have never heard anything like the words he just said. He would take stories about real life and then point and draw principles out of, out of the word of God from those stories. And that's what we're doing with Christmas at the movies. We're finding the God in the movies, drawing out the principles, and we're talking about those things. Well, let's do this. Let's kick this off with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here today. Thank you, Lord, for already ministering to people. Thank you, Lord, for a generous church. I ask, Lord, that you will speak to every person wherever we are. And, Lord, may we leave here knowing that we encountered a true God. This we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, don't worry, it's Christmas. That's the name of today's message. Don't worry, it's Christmas. I think it's kind of, uh, there's some uh, irony in that statement. Don't worry. I mean, don't worry, don't stress, because it's Christmas. In fact, Jesus told us in Matthew, the sixth chapter, he said, hey, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about the things that we worry about. Don't worry about the clothes that you're going to wear. In fact, don't even worry about tomorrow. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first your relationship with God. Have that priority in your life. And God's going to add these other things. It's not that things are going to be miraculously worked out. It's that as we begin 
to set priorities in our lives with God at the center of those priorities, what happens is that God begins to move greatly in our lives. We learn the wisdom of Proverbs. We understand what, what worship can do in our lives as we study the book of Psalms. So as we focus on God, God begins to work other things out in our lives. At, at first, as you read this where he says, hey, don't worry about these things, it seems a little bit careless. It actually seems a little bit reckless. He's not saying, hey, just forget about everything. He's just saying, don't worry about those things. Don't worry about the things that you have no control over. Seek first the kingdom of God. Hey, yeah, plan. Do your best. Save. Don't spend all of your money. Make wise financial decisions. Take care of your family. But just don't worry so much. And it seems that a lot of times in, in the Christmas season, we get all anxious. We get stressed about the things that we're doing that we can lose perspective of, about, of, of what this season is really about. The scene I'm about to show you comes from a movie called Jingle All the Way. How many of you have seen that movie? Arnold Schwarzenegger, all-time great actors. <clears throat> One of my favorite. Well, this is about, our, he plays a character who is a father that procrastinates and, and gets his priorities out of whack, and, and uh, he decides that, you know, he's, he, he takes too long in buying a Christmas gift, and he, and he forgets to buy his son the one thing that he asked for. And now it's, it's Christmas Eve, and when he arrives at a toy store, he finds out that it is the most popular toy of the season, and it causes a little bit of stress and anxiety. Let's watch this scene, and I'll be right back. I'm trying to find a German doll. Me too, me too. Do you have any more in the back? <laughs> what? What's <laughs> What did I say? These, these guys are looking for a turbo man? A German doll, yes. <laughs> They're looking for turbo man. <laughs> hey, everybody. These two are looking for a turbo man. What's so funny? Where have you guys been? Turbo Man's only the hottest selling Christmas toy ever. Uh. <laughs> you know what? We got plenty of Turbo Man's faithful saber tooth tiger first time. Where's your Christmas spirit? That's better. Now, there must be a turbo man around here somewhere. Oh, the last one just left. Um, some lady had it on layaway. A lady? Yeah. What lady? Short, with a fur coat. Fur coat. Fur coat. Uh -huh. fur Sorry, coat. buddy. Oh,
poor baby. <laughs> I was actually in a department store because uh, I tried to order something online this past week and it didn't come in. So when I, I called the store and I said, hey, this item was actually supposed to be in for the church for you and it was supposed to be here a week ago. And they're like, they put me on hold and then they hung up on me. And uh, then I called back, and then they put me on hold and transferred me to three different people. No, couldn't find out. Nobody had an answer. And then they're like, well, we don't know. When did you order it? So we went through every bit of that and, and uh, couldn't get, nobody had an answer. So finally I went down to the store, and I said, uh, hey, you know, is, is there, we're like, well, we don't know when it's going to be here. It could be, it could be a week. I wanted to do what Arnold did. That's what I want. I want to grab somebody and bring him into me and say, where's your Christmas spirit? You know what I'm saying? I have a question for you. How many of you went uh, Black Friday shopping uh, a couple weeks ago? Black, did anybody go Black Friday? Did anybody actually go out into the community or go to the stores? Let me tell you something. Black Friday Christmas shopping is not what it used to be. It used to be legit. Now we have online shopping and you don't have to go in and buy stuff. You can, in fact, most of you did not go to department stores Black Friday, you, you shop online, you can have it delivered to your door. Isn't that a piece of heaven that you just order it and it arrives two days later? Save gas, shipping, or whatever. But man, I remember 20 years ago it wasn't like this. Thanksgiving Day, you know, as you're eating turkey and, and all the fixings or whatever, you're watching the football game, and as you're watching the football game, the ads of the department stores come on television and say, Black Friday sale. These things are only good for Black Friday day only. So make sure you're here at 6 a.m. It's on sale from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And there was no online shopping. If you're going to get these really good deals, you better get there at 6 a.m. So, you know, you tuck all the kids away the night before, and uh, you get up at 5 o'clock, you hang out, or you, you call your friends, they arrive, and as you're driving into the department store or whatever, Walmart, you're like, divide and conquer, here's what we're going to do, it's about to be survival of the fittest, I'm going to head over to the, the DVD players, and you're going to head over to the trampolines, and you know, we got to get these things, do you have your list, I have my list, so you write these down, you get in there, you rush in there, and yeah, I've been there, has anybody ever been there, it's like a war zone. You know, I've been there where a store manager dumped 25 throw blankets into a bin and, you know, angry ladies fought over them and ripped them out of the weaker. And they look, they're all disappointed. I, I, I've been there where, where you get there, there's, there's $25 DVD players and I get there just in time to grab the last one as other hands switched by and I grabbed it, hugged it all the way to the ground and as people try to grab it out of my hands. True story. I've written about it. I've been there. It used to be really legit. And then, you, and then you get everything, and then you're very excited about the things that you got, and then you find yourself, you know, in a three-hour checkout line that starts at the back of the store, you know, that wrapped around the store a little bit. You know, but you're excited and you're happy because you accomplished. You got everything that you decided that you wanted. You know, I mean, you saved $10 on the DVD player. But you got up at 5, you're just so happy that you got everything. And then you look at the, all the late arrivers pushing their baskets, just meandering around, all sad looking. And they're looking at your stuff, you know, because they weren't here. You're looking at them and thinking to yourself, well, you should have got here a little bit earlier now, shouldn't you? Maybe next Black Friday sale you'll get up early. And they're looking at you and they look at your basket. You know, they don't have the $25 DVD player. They got the $35 DVD player. A whole bunch of them over there. <laughs> hey, save yourself $10 <laughs> or spend the $10. 
And they look at you and they say, well, they look at your basket with all the things that you got. And you're high-fiving all your friends because you got everything. And they say, what? where did you get that? And you said, oh, we got it at the back of the store, but I got the last one. You're feeling all proud. You know, all to save a few bucks. All the stress and all the things that happen. And, 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 and yeah, you know, it's not the same today, but Black Friday used to be the bomb. Here's what I've noticed about these things. Our culture has a tendency to take something that was meant to be joyous and fun and family-oriented. We have a tendency to celebrate it so much and invite so many people and spend so much money that it'll suck the fun right out of it. I don't care if it's a birthday party or a wedding. These things were meant to be family gatherings and fun and joyous occasions. But we celebrate it so much and want it to be so good that we miss the, the whole point of what it's all about. So that's what I want to talk to you about. With the rest of my time, I want to talk to you about what I believe Christmas was all about back then and what it is about today. And if, that, if we keep the right perspective, we can have a joyous Christmas. First of all, Christmas was meant to be simple. It was meant to be simple. I know that we have, have made it complicated, and, and I know that we have, we've, you know, I'm all about Christmas. It's my favorite time of the year, and I like to have fun, and I actually like going to the stores on Black Friday. I don't want to buy anything. I just thought, you know, I want to hang out and look at all the good deals. And, and I, I, but I've, I've noticed that it's become complicated. I don't believe Christmas, Christmas was meant to be what we have possibly made it to be. We turn it silent night into rocking around the Christmas tree. Instead of peace on earth, we've got struggle at the mall. And then instead of oh holy night, we've got oh holy cow. It's all stressed out. But the first Christmas was actually pretty simple. And it was pretty peaceful. The night that Jesus was born, Luke the second chapter in the fourth verse, it says, And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home, he traveled there. From the village of Nazareth in Galilee, he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for him. Now, even though this was, even though this was something that fulfilled century-old prophecies. Even though the angels heralded his entrance and there was a star and there were wise men that would eventually visit where Jesus was. Even though all these things were going on, all these things didn't happen there in the manger. It was actually pretty simple. The night that Jesus was born was a very peaceful night, you know, when, 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 when all this took place. They didn't, they, they, it wasn't, the, the, the wise men didn't come the night Jesus was born. The angels didn't visit. All these things weren't happening. You know what they were listening to? You know what Mary and Joseph heard besides maybe Jesus crying a little bit? Bah, bah. It was a manger. It was a stall. They just heard a little animals uh, walking around. It was very quiet. And very, it was very peaceful. It was business as, as usual. It was kind of like this. That, and, and what I want you to realize is that Jesus did not step into their lives and stress everybody out. He stepped into their lives and just was a part of their lives. And it was business as usual. They, it was kind of like Joseph said to Mary, Mary, I've got to register to pay taxes. I've got to, I've got to take a trip to Bethlehem. You know, you're pretty far along. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to load you up. You don't mind riding a donkey nine months pregnant, do you? Okay, well, load up and what we'll do is we'll, we'll go down to Bethlehem and I'm going to pay taxes. And the Bible just says 
It wasn't a deal where it was a, it was a, I know it's prophetic and that's the way God works, but it was just like it was a part of their lives and she was going to give birth while they were there registering to pay taxes. And there was no room, there was no lodging. The reason there was no lodging is because there was a lot of people that were in Bethlehem that day. Just everyday, ordinary life. Jesus does not take over their lives. There's no stress. It was just a part of their lives. You know, if we're not careful, we allow all the promotion, all the marketing of this season, all the business take over our lives. The scene right before the one I showed you was the comedian Sinbad. you got to love that guy. He thinks there's this conspiracy theory, so he's outside talking to Arnold, and he's saying, hey, you know it's all a racket. You know it's all a ploy. They're trying to brainwash all of our kids. He calls it the toy cartel. He's saying, he's saying how they're trying to do this, and they're making me feel like a dog because I can't afford gifts for my son, and then I'm showing up buying this thing. It's all a big racket, and they're, they're trying to take advantage of us. Well, I don't know about that, but I do know that people will try to get you wrapped up in their agenda this time of year. People will try to get you to spend money that you, you may not need to spend or want to spend or are trying to get you to buy an item. Has anybody ever walked through the mall in the, the center areas at the mall where they got the, the, the people trying to sell you lotions and, and things like that? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I haven't, I haven't been to the mall yet. But, I, you know, it's just like I have trouble walking through and, and walking by and not, and not being friendly. I really have trouble just walking by and just like not making eye contact. But when you make eye contact and you smile, you got to go over and get your hand rubbed, right? Whatever. You got to go over and they put lotion on it and they do your nails and everything. And then they go through all that. You guys know what I'm talking about? And then they want to sell you a, a box of whatever. And, you know, it is from Israel. And God blesses those who bless Israel. And, you know what I'm saying? They know what you're thinking. So I'm, I'm just walking through there thinking about that. And then I like, I like the fact that it's marketing, a, a good salesman. I appreciate that. But, you know, they hit you with, okay, this box is like 80 bucks, but today it's going to, you know, today's, it's like, I don't know what, and then you get three for whatever, and then my negotiation skills set in, and I usually get one for about 20 bucks. But I, I end up getting one, something that I really don't need. But they come in handy as you're watching TV, right? No, that's, that's a lot of things that happen right now. If somebody else wants to, wants to take up and spend your time and help you spend your money, people want to get you wrapped up in their, their parties, their charities, holiday specials, pageant things, kids things. You know, wanna, come be a part and, you know, this is what you should be doing. Breakfast with Santa, pictures with Santa, cookies with Santa. When are we going to learn to say no to some of these things? Sometimes the most powerful, the most significant, the most positive response that you can have and this time is a no. No. Listen, the next time somebody tries to hijack your Christmas plans or get you wrapped up in their agenda, you just look at them and say, let me stop you right there. My name is no. My number is no. I'm sorry, but no. You need to let it go to the nah, to the no, no, no. I don't know if I said that right. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you need to learn to say no. Jesus didn't come in and take over everybody's life, stress everybody out. I mean, it was only the Savior being born. But he didn't come in and take over everybody's life. But hey, it's Christmas. Do you know that Jesus never said one thing about remembering his birth? 
He never told anybody, hey, don't forget the day that I was born. He didn't say anything. He said about remembering his death, the night he died. He didn't say anything about that. That was not the point. Keep it simple because peace is a good thing at Christmas time. Amen? Christmas was meant to be simple. It was also meant to be about family. Christmas was also meant to be about family. And that, that deals with our priorities. You know, the story of Jesus being born, that wasn't, I mean, we look at that and we're like, hey, that is the story of Jesus and the Messiah. But you know that that was also the story of somebody named Mary and Joseph. That's also their story. Look at this. Matthew 1 and 18 says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you see how there's a little bit of problem in that? Can you see explaining that to, your engage, to the person you're engaged to? Hey, I got some news for you. Let's just keep reading for a second. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly because this was a death sentence if you were a Jewish young lady. By the way, I mean, that's a different message. Okay, he didn't want to let everybody know publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The 24th verse says this. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary to be his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus didn't just rise up out of the sea, and although he was from another part of the universe, he didn't arrive here from a spaceship. He came here born of human flesh. That's how personable of a God you serve. That he came here and he was born into this earth. Emmanuel, God with us. The word or God became flesh. And Joseph was just a regular guy. He was a carpenter. I want you to think of somebody who works in wood. I want you to think of somebody who's a framer. Somebody who builds houses. This is what, Je this is what Joseph, this is the kind of person that he was. They were not rich. They were not extremely poor. They were somewhere in the middle. So Jesus, you know, he, he steps into this world or before he steps into this world as Joseph has asked Mary to be his wife they have this engagement I don't know exactly how long their engagement is but she approaches him at some point and says hey I want to talk to you about something okay have a seat you might want to sit down listen to me Joseph this is going to be hard to explain I'm pregnant really now I don't know exactly how this went down but I know I would have questions okay one of the questions I would say is, who's the guy? I mean, let's just be practical. Okay, who's, who's the father? And she looked at him in all seriousness and with passion and said something to the effect of, God did this. Oh, he did. I mean, we accept this story like these aren't real people. She was, he was born of a virgin. Like these people are just like, oh, yeah, okay, and just on with life. People had questions. Here's the deal. We know that Joseph didn't believe this because the next verse, I mean, separate out all the, I mean, they, they, they kind of blank out all the explaining. They blank out all the argument and all the like, Man, you are out of your mind, Mary. I don't know what you're thinking, but you're going to be thinking that all by yourself because this is over. He was going to end the engagement. 
I mean, what would you say? Well, first of all, you're crazy. And second of all, this is over. But he was a good person, so he wasn't going to do it publicly, so she would be humiliated. And one night, an angel appeared to him, or the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, listen, exactly what she says is the case. But then, no, there is the fleshing it out. There is this thing of they are engaged, they're not married, and she's going to be pregnant. So what happens was, for six months, she goes and lives with her cousin, Elizabeth. I believe that there were some things that God wanted to work in her life. Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. Look, Jesus was born into a family, okay? And here's something else. Jesus grows up in a blended family. Joseph is really his stepdad. And then Jesus has other brothers and sisters that were a little bit of a pain who didn't believe in him. We see this from the stories how they're outside the crowds trying to get to Jesus, trying to talk to him. Hey, you need to come home. And Jesus says something to them. Hey, these are my brothers and sisters, those who follow Christ. So there is a little bit of anguish between them. They don't believe in who he is. In fact, we know that the brother of Jesus, who is James, who becomes kind of the, 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 the forefigure of the New Testament church, or, the, or the, the, the church in Jerusalem. He becomes a major figure at the Jer Jerusalem church. He didn't even believe Jesus was who he said he was until after the resurrection. So this is family. And this is the family that Jesus was born into. These were real people with real lives. You know, during the holiday season, a lot of times, if we're not careful, it becomes a very lonely time. For some of us, or for some, for some people that go through things or who have lost loved ones in their lives. A lot of times, instead of this being a joyous occasion, what happens is it reminds us of what we don't have. It reminds us of, of who we don't have. It can remind us of who's no longer with us. The Bible says that, that God sets the lonely in families. Do you know that you were created to have a family? That, that you didn't just inherit a family. You can't, you've heard the expression, you can't choose your family. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Well, it just so happens that God puts you in an environment. And God placed people around you that you could experience family. The Bible also says that a brother is born for adversity. In other words, when you go through something in life, God puts brothers and sisters around you to help you go through things. And maybe you've been relocated in your life and you live here and your family is estranged or your family is a long ways away. Well, God puts you in this family so you can experience family. Do you believe that? Say man. God has created us for family. And a lot of times we will take family for granted. Whether it be your blood relatives or your family, we, we don't, I mean, my family's crazy. You know, you're a part of your family. Well, you don't understand, I, my, well, family's not perfect. You know why your family's not perfect? Because you're in it. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But God is giving you a family because you were created for family. And a lot of times when, this, when these times of seasons or when this season comes along, we are reminded of the family that we don't have. But anytime we don't have family or we don't have somebody, God gives us a family right here. Brothers and sisters, a part of the church that will wrap their arms around you. Let me tell you something. I, I, I came from a family of six kids. Half of those kids are no longer alive. I've lost both of my brothers. God gave me brothers 
in the church. God gave me actually brothers in this church that are actually closer than my broad brothers and when they were alive. God will give you everything in his family through his church if you will open up your heart and not take your family for granted. Amen? Come on, guys. That's, that's a wonderful thing. I think it's really important that you look around and that this time in your life that you don't take the family that God has given you for granted because Christmas was always meant to be about family. Lastly, Christmas is about Christ. Of course it is. Of course I'm going to say that. But it's true. Christmas is about Jesus. The word Christmas, the root word is Christ, and then the other word is, is mass. Christ means the anointed one or the Messiah, and mass is celebration or, or festival. So the, when you say Merry Christmas, it's about, it, it's, it's kind of like saying Merry celebration of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Can you see how that's a little bit politically incorrect? <laughs> Can you see why people of, 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 the, you know, of other religions may not agree with it? But I, at the same time, that, I, that's why I walk around saying it. I love that word, Merry Christmas. That's why I want to say it because it is the celebration of our one true God. Luke, the second chapter and the 11th verse says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Do you know who is saying these words? Angels, halfway between earth and heaven, they're looking up. It's interesting to me that this was not announced in the city. I don't know why angels went into the fields, the shepherd fields. I mean, shepherds are out there, they're, they're, they're you know, like leaned up against their staff. They're like, the sheep, they're, ah, 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 ah. all this is going on. And all of a sudden, you know, they're doing their thing, sitting out there. And it wasn't in the city where this was announced. The angels went out to, you know, the hilltops and all of these places and said, hey, the Savior is born. Don't miss this. This is the moment that the earth has yearned for. This is the hope of the world. In the city of David, our Savior is born. It is a celebration of our Lord Jesus. Hope has come. In John, the first chapter, in the 10th verse, it says, He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. That's sad, isn't it? To the world that he created, announced by angels, prophesied. He came into a world that didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, the people that knew the prophecies, the people that had been looking for a Messiah who, supposed to have, who were supposed to have known these things. And even if they recognized him, they rejected him, the Bible says. But to all who, what? Believed. To all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become Children of God, they are reborn, not by physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but birth that comes from God. So the word, notice that the word, word, is capitalized. That's talking about, that is a name, that is a personal noun. That is, that is the word, that means Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus became human. A God became human. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And, the, and what I believe the angels were saying is Jesus became flesh and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's Son, the only one, the only Son. Some people didn't get it. And some people might have done that but rejected it. Some people did not believe or recognize Jesus but to those who believed and accepted him. To those who believed in him and accepted him, they became 
children of God. You might have heard me say this before, but let me repeat this. Not everybody who walks the earth is a child of God. Not everybody who has been born of a woman is a child of God. Only those, according to the scripture, only those who have believed in and accepted Jesus to be, to be their Lord and Savior, those, we are the children of God. It's not, I talked about this last week, it's not hard. It's just a matter of believing. Believe, accept, become his. Believe, accept him, and become his. It was a divine moment, an eternal moment, a destiny moment. It was a once and a lifetime opportunity that the world could see. 2,000 years ago, on the brink of so many bad things happening, heaven steps in and kisses the earth. And, the announce, and it was announced by angels and, and people who were looking for him, prophets and, and people and priests that were working in the temple were looking for this day. And still, some people missed this divine moment. Listen to me. We experience life in moments. We experience life in moments. We make memories as moments. And we can't miss these moments because we're wrapped up in all the things that are trying to keep us busy, all the things that, we're, that, that are trying to pull at us and pull at our time. Christmas is all about this one divine moment that happened 2,000 years ago where heaven came to earth and, and we experienced Emmanuel. When Jesus left heaven and became human and walked among us. And because he did, we can experience hope and healing and salvation if we believe. It says those who believed in him and accepted him. Believe, accept, become his. Believe, accept, become his. Say that with me. Believe, accept, become his. Believe, accept, become his. That's what it's all about. I want to close with this. If I can get you to do one thing, it would be to slow down. Pay attention to your priorities. And don't miss the moments in this season that God has for you. Especially the moments where that might be divine. The moments that, that might be destiny type of moments. I don't care what those moments are like. But God is going to give you the opportunity to make some memories and celebrate or, or make some memorable moments over the next few weeks. And you can't, you can't appreciate these moments if you're worried about all the things that are going on that really don't make a difference. I believe that that's just what God is speaking to us today to do. If you believe that, say amen. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this holiday season, for this Christmas season. I thank you, Lord, that right now I believe you're speaking to people that wherever we are, whatever our struggle is, whatever we're dealing with today, I believe, God, that you're going to meet us wherever we are. May we evaluate where we are with you. May we took, take a look at the moments in life and the seasons in life. Slow down. Remember what we talked about today, that Christmas was meant to be simple. Christmas was meant to be about family, and Christmas was meant to be about Christ. Lord, if there are people here today that are dealing with anxiety, or maybe a loss of a loved one, or maybe dealing with something, a loss of a relationship at this time, Lord, I pray that you will calm our hearts and calm our spirits. 
And Father, we remember and we focus on you and we focus on, what you, on the good things that you've placed in our lives. And you will become to us whatever in our lives we have lost. In Jesus' name. As your heads are bowed and maybe God is speaking to you today about the things I've been talking about. Maybe God is drawing you to a new level with him. You live for God. He's Lord and Savior of your life. But in this message, something has been brought to your memory. Or God has been speaking to you about something that's going on in your life. Maybe you need to evaluate that. Maybe you need to take a look at a relationship that's going on. Maybe you need to slow down a little bit. Maybe things have become too complicated in your life and you feel like God is speaking to you. And that, that not to miss these moments that are about to happen in the next few weeks. Don't miss these moments. Maybe God is speaking to you about that. Wherever you are and whatever God may be saying today, I, I trust and I hope that God is speaking to you. I'm going to pray with you right now. And as I do, if whatever God's dealing with you about, whatever he's asking you to do, I'm going to encourage you to just receive that right now as we pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person that's here. And I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. And Lord, I pray that we will recognize what you might want to say to every person. We will recognize what you want to say to us individually. For those of us today that have, have lost people that we love, Lord, Christmas is a time for us to remember. But Father, your word gives us hope that no matter what we've lost, God, we're going to be with each other together one of these days. I thank you, Lord, for that hope. I, I thank you, Lord, that you've given me that hope. Father, maybe there's something else going on in our lives. Maybe we just need to slow down and appreciate the blessings of God and the family that you've given to us. And also, maybe, God, we need to remember that this is about Christ. This is about Jesus. That this is about the hope that he has given to us because of his life his birth, his life, and his death, that we receive the gift of salvation. So I pray, Lord, that you will speak to us. May we encounter you wherever we are, and we receive your goodness today. In Christ's name, if you do that, say amen. As you continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, and he's not Lord and Savior of your life, the hope of salvation, the hope of eternal life with those that we love, as I talk about these things, you can't say that your walk with God would lead you to this in the next life. You can't say, hey, Travis, I follow Christ. He's Lord and Savior of my life. I, if you, you can't say that, I'm talking to you right now. For whatever reason, maybe you can say, Travis, I have never asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life. I've never done that. Or maybe you hear you could say, Travis, when I was a kid, I think I did. Or at one time in my life, I might have asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior, but I walked away from God at some point in my life, and right now, I'm not where I should be with God, and He is, I really feel like He's drawn me by His Spirit. Maybe you're here because somebody invited you, a friend invited you, and you just wanted to try out the new church. Whatever the case may be, if God is drawing you, that is a gift. Because the Word says that nobody comes to the Father unless they are drawn by the Spirit, so He must care enough about you to speak to you today. And if that be the case, what, what would you say? Would you say yes to coming home? Would you say yes to the Lord wanting to minister in your life? Would you say yes to him wanting to be Lord and Savior of your life? Because he can't bring you that hope 
He can't bring you that new life unless you give your life to him. So I'd, I'd just like to pray, and I'd like to lead the entire congregation in a prayer for people that don't know Christ to come home. I, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to walk down here. Nothing like that. Just, just pray right where you are, where you're seated, to give your life to Christ. But in order for me to pray this prayer, I just want to know that there are people that are serious today about coming home to God. So between you, me, and God, nobody looking around, just between you, me, and God, if you can say, Travis, if you'll pray that prayer today, I'm going to come home to God. I'm going to give my life to Christ, and I'm serious about this. Just slip your hand up and slip it down quickly so I know. Can anybody say that? Anybody. That's me, Travis. I'm going to give my life to Christ today. And I'll pray that prayer with you. I'm just going to ask one more time, and then I'll move on. That's me, Travis. And I'm going to give my life to Christ. I want you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that are here today. I hope we all live for you and serve you. If we don't, Lord, I pray that we evaluate our lives, see the importance of this decision. Thank you, Lord, for the people that have given their life to Christ through Faith Co. May we continue to reach people with the good news of the gospel. Lord, bless us as we step into this season. Lord, the second weekend of this season two weeks until we celebrate Christmas. I pray, God, that we do the things that we've decided to do today. Father, that we, we not worry about the things that we have no control over, but we celebrate the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords coming to earth in the name of Jesus. And everybody said...